Yes, I'd like to welcome you to Quick Cut Theology. It has been a while since I have recorded one of these. Um, I've been in full-blown mowing season for the past mm, six or seven months. And so it has been a busy time. But I felt led to do one of these. Um, often post the Saturday evening Bible study on the uh, podcast haven't the last couple weeks but uh sometimes i will sometimes i won't but i haven't done one of these briefer ones it's probably about 10 to 15 minutes max um in a while and so today i'm going to do one on how to have peace of mind and i'll deal with this from two fronts one of them is from a uh, believing front from somebody who's a christian and then also from somebody who's not a Christian. Which obviously we'll start with the person who's not a Christian. And I would, I would say that it is truly impossible to have a true peace of mind um, as an unbeliever if you are not a Christian. Because that means you are not reconciled to the God who created you and sustains you. And... You can be, you can enjoy times of happiness, and you can enjoy times of pleasure, and you can even in, enjoy probably uh, certain short-term runs of even what you would call joy. But those are all short-term. And what happens with uh, unbeliever, and of course I know this because I was an unbeliever most of my life, and uh, everybody who uh, becomes a Christian is always somebody who is a non-Christian beforehand. So anybody that ever tells me they're born a Christian. Or they've always been a Christian. That's not biblical. But, so I speak from experience, as it would any Christian. And what happens as a non-Christian is you find your joy in in idolatry. You find your things in in anything but God. And that could range from, you could have a a million different things that you could find happiness in. And a lot of times people find it in money. A lot of times people find it in family. A lot of times people find it in... Um, hobbies or sports or you know you name it uh, wisdom or worldly wisdom there's just about any uh, amount of things that you can find happiness in but as an unbeliever you are actively and we've been through this several times and I've done uh, long topical studies on what is called general revelation that each person who comes to a condition of self-awareness that God grants knowledge of him in a general way through the creation and the conscience. And so so from those two aspects, just looking around you at the creation, and you have an inerrant or a a sense of right and wrong within you, that you know a couple things immediately. Whether you've ever heard the name Jesus or not, you know that God, there is a God, you know there's a creator God, and you know that he's a powerful God. And you know that he is a moral God. And there's where the issue comes into play, is that what happens with general revelation is every single person who comes to that point of self-awareness begins to suppress the truth that God makes known to each person because of the love for sin. And so you, so anybody who's in unbelief right now, who has not been reconciled to, to God through Christ, is in a state of rebellion in active suppression of the truth of God because of the love for sin. Sin and God are obviously opposed to each other. 
God opposes sin, and that's why people who love sin, which is all of us at one point, will hate the true God, or or they might not even, they do ultimately, but they may not say that, but they they're either complacent or, or they ignore Him or whatever. However, that manifests itself out is because of the love for sin, and so that can give you some pleasure, and it did for for I would say you know. You're a couple, several years. I mean, you're going to have hard times as an unbeliever, obviously, no matter what you're doing. But basically, what you're doing is you're just swimming from one idol to the next, to the next, to the next. You get, you get kind of burned out on, on one thing because it doesn't satisfy you because only God can. You move on to the next thing, and then you do, and you, and you find out that thing doesn't ultimately satisfy you, and you move on to the next thing. And you've probably heard it said that there's a whole shaped vacuum in the heart that only God can fill, and there's truth in that. There's truth in that, that you can only have lasting um, contentment and joy is if you're reconciled to your Creator. There's no other way to do it. Again, you can bounce around your whole life. There are probably people who have enough money and enough uh, means to just bounce from one idol to the next, to the next, to the next, but ultimately they'll die in their sins and they'll be held accountable and they'll have absolutely no more peace in the next life. Because anybody who dies in their sins, that means dying without having your sins forgiven, will end up in eternal hell and be judged. And then, and so even if you could, but most people can't even do that. Most people, you hit rock bottom sometimes in this life because you realize these things that you are setting your hope on always let you down. And whether it be people, things, drugs, drink, whatever it is, they will all ultimately let you down because it has to let you down. Because God will not compete with himself. He will not allow anybody, any of his creation, to find ultimate satisfaction in one of the created things. And so, in Romans, it talks about how, you know, it sums up idolatry is instead of worshiping the creator, we worship the creation. And again, that could be anything. Anything created, you can worship. Um, and so, the so to be reconciled to God, you have to, and here's my... Uh, I have a 30-second gospel track, and I'll just read this real quick, um, just to make a brief gospel presentation. If you're if you are an unbeliever listening to this, is the truth is one day we will all face the one true and living holy God. You need to have your sins forgiven and be reconciled to Him before that occurs. It only happens biblically. This is the important part. Through here's how you become a Christian, how you get saved is one confessing your sinfulness from your heart to God. That's not just saying, well, yeah, I'm a sinner, and no, oh, I've made some mistakes. That is, that is a, a broad, encompassing thing, where you just your sinfulness, pretty much everything you do, and so you, and that's, you humble yourself, because that's the truth. That's the truth about all of us: is that we, before we're Christians, and we still struggle with sin even after we're Christians, is that we are pretty much thoroughly. I mean, God says in His Word, Genesis six five, that uh, the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth, and every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. So the, the God's viewpoint of the human heart is all evil all the time for an unbeliever. Because I say this frequently, is that the only um, even good things that an unbeliever does, they do it for their own moat, for their own glory, or for for a sinful motive, an inner sinful motive, which makes it sin. And so there's nothing good that an unbeliever can do to please God. And so that starts with repentance, confessing your sinfulness from your heart to God, and then to believing the gospel. And that is, what is the gospel? That's the person and work of Jesus Christ. 
So you believe who Jesus Christ is. He is truly God. He's truly man. And then work is you trust only in his redemptive work, which is his perfect life, death on a cross for the sins of sinners, and resurrection for your salvation. And if you genuinely do this from your heart, salvation is immediate and permanent. And you will be because you'll be covered by the righteousness of Christ. And he will have been treated as if he committed all of your past, present, and future sins while hanging on the cross. That's how salvation is. You get, you get it's a double exchange. You're, you're, you're credited his perfect life, and then all of your wretched life, and it includes me too, all of us, is transferred or was taken care of on the cross. But if you refuse the offer of the gospel of Jesus Christ, you will be eternally condemned for your, again, we talk about this, unforgiven sins. What, what sends a person to hell? It's not, well, I'm a murderer or any particular sin, it's any unforgiven sin. Even, un, even one unforgiven sin, James 2.10. Whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles in one point has become guilty of all of it. So God requires perfect righteousness, but it's hypothetically laughable to think anybody committed one sin. But even if you potentially did, that would condemn you because the, the standard is God's perfect righteousness. So that is how, if you're an unbeliever, if you want true peace of mind, you have to be reconciled. So not only on top of uh, having your sins forgiven and being credited eternal life, you also will you'll have a peace in your heart and in your soul that you've never had before. That you've never had before. And your salvation can never be taken away. But now we'll switch over to a believer. And so it kind of transitions here. That, you know, I'll just kind of continue that. And once you become a Christian, that yes, you do have peace like you've never known before. Especially early on in your salvation. It's usually a very... A glorious time when you first get saved because it's a new, it's a brand new, and you're just your your eyes are open for the first time. You believe you see, everything you see, everything you hear, it's all different because your eyes are open to the spiritual world that you didn't know really existed, or if you believed in that, you had a faulty view of that. And so once you see the glory of Christ, then your eyes are open, your heart is open, and also basically you're a new creation. And there's no you know you hear that biblically, but the, but the experience that as salvation is something you have to experience to even understand what that is. So you'll have an initial surge of uh, joy, and it'll be usually a pretty good extended time. Now, with my particular case, I had a lot of sin in my life when I got saved, and so. I had some joy, but I also had a real struggle that first little while because he was plucking stuff out of my life that he didn't want in my life anymore, and that was kind of painful. But still, you're going to have this joy of understanding that you really know the true God, that you don't have to guess anymore. It's one of the great things about Christianity and the true God is that when you believe in Jesus Christ, because you, you know, when you talk to a lot of people, look, you know, they ask me, well, how, how, how do you know that? I mean, that's just your view. Maybe that's your experience. Maybe that's your whatever and but when you become reconciled to him you're indwelled by the spirit of god by the holy spirit and so you have this very direct personal access and relationship with god now again you know, it doesn't talk back and forth word for word or anything like that but, but you have a very uh, close relationship with god immediately and you know it and that never gets taken away and but but that that can be uh, part of that joyful part of it. And it can also be kind of intimidating when you're a new Christian to realize that you actually have um, true knowledge of the true God and He is your Father now. And um, and so that's a glorious thing, but it's also can, it causes reverence as well. 
But sometimes after a while, when you become a Christian and you go down the road, you, you fluctuate. There's, there's, you don't ever lose your salvation. It's not like you fluctuate in and out of salvation or in, out of, in and out of your relationship with God. But you, uh, your obedience and you, you, you get apathetic. You know, apathy is one of the biggest enemies of a Christian. Is, is when things are going well, you have this tendency to kind of drift away from God because you feel like you don't need Him anymore. And a lot of times you grow spiritually way ten times as much during hard times when he squeezes you a little bit and he brings trials into your life and that's the primary purpose of trials is to expose idolatry and to have you to turn back to him turn back to dependency upon him is that's when you grow and, and it's just almost surely with me is you know it's like when he's bringing tough things into my life whether it be you know relationships whether it be financial whether it be weather related I work outside and it can be difficult there and there's all kinds of ways life can get real tough but I've always found that sometimes my immediate reaction isn't to turn to him but over time is the longer he squeezes you a little bit more as a Christian you'll learn okay yeah I've gotten away from him I'm trying to find my happiness and my hope over here instead of on the Lord and he's not going to allow that so you turn back to him um, and so there's one of those uh, weapons that the enemy uses is to try to put you to sleep and make you dull and apathetic towards God, and that always leads to bad things. And so, uh, one of the one of my favorite new verses that I had um, that I have memorized is Isaiah twenty six three. It says, "The steadfast of mind you will keep in perfect peace because he trusts in you." And that's a very very powerful verse if if you think about it. Is and again we're talking what are we talking about here in this podcast? Peace. So if you want perfect peace, this is what it says to do. The steadfast of mind. What does that mean? That means, um, what that means is, that is a, a determination of a Christian to say, and this is hard, and this is, this is where the battle is. The battle is commitment to, to the Lord and to serving Him daily. And, that, and it's not conditional. There's the issue. The steadfast in mind overcomes conditionality, if that's a word. Is that it? It a lot of times it's really easy as a Christian to say, "Oh, I'm going to serve the Lord as long as things are going well." You don't say that, but but when something goes bad, you get frustrated with God and say, oh, I, you know, why is this happening?" And that's very easy to do. But I've done it many times myself. Fell into a real bad backslide because of the because of that. I had problems in my life I didn't think I deserved, which was not true, and I got frustrated with God, and that led frustration with God will always lead to bad things. So you immediately you just want to repent of that as a Christian if you can, as quick as possible. Because you, that will never work. Even though you think in your mind, all right, I can do this my way. I don't need him. And I'll show him how this is supposed to be. And I promise you, that never, ever, ever works out. Ever. And so that steadfast in mind is that commitment in your mind and in your heart that no matter what happens, I'm serving the Lord. And, then, and, and you are... And that has to be firm in your heart. And that has to be a commitment. Now, again, nobody ever does it even close to perfect. And that, that wavers. But if you genuinely wake up every day and you commit your mind and your heart to the Lord, regardless of what happens, and you ask for His direction and you're relying upon Him dependently and you're, and you're trying to study His Word and pray and do the things that are pleasing to Him, that it's just ultimately that put set your mind and your hope on the Lord. Uh, we, taught, we did a whole lesson on out and up, you know, or up and out, 
or your Christian mindset should be up towards the Lord and out towards the kingdom. That's where our hope is. Our hope is not in this temporary world. You know, a Christian cannot, should not ever be too comfortable in this world because it's run by Satan and it's, it's full of worldliness. We're commanded not to be worldly. This system is not for Christians. And so if you're too comfortable here, and if everybody loves you here, you know, then you got problems with your walk because, and I'm not saying you go out and pick fights with people, but I'm saying if you're living for the Lord, the Bible promises you will be persecuted. You will be. There's joy in that, but, but, and so the, the issue I'm trying to deal with here is that you have to set your mind forward to the kingdom. I've heard Martin Luther say, heard him quoted as saying that he lives for two days, this day and that day. And that day is the day of the Lord. That's, that's the day when the rewards for Christians will be dealt out. And everything in your service to the Lord will be accomplished and, and crowned and everything. And you'll be rewarded for and you'll be having eternal, I don't know how that works, but you'll have things that will not be taken away and that will be eternal uh, things that you have instead of collecting worldly things. And so that's a hard thing to do. And I'm not sitting here saying, oh, well, this is what you should do. And just snap your fingers and it's going to be easy. No, but that's the mindset you have to have. Is, is the quicker you can learn to have your mind serving the Lord and your heart thinking about the future kingdom more than the current kingdom. And, and, and then, the, then, then the things that happen in this world that will shake you if your mind is set upon the earth and the world and the worldly things and money and all the things that we can easily get to setting our hope on those things will will perish and again as a Christian I promise you this God will not if your hope is on money and you're a Christian he'll take it away if your hope is on your health and not him he'll take it away he doesn't compete with himself and so the, the quicker you can really just say alright I know I'm not going to do this perfectly but my intention every day is when I wake up is I'm going to serve the Lord regardless of what happens regardless and I always I've brought this up a couple times in our Bible studies, and I hate to bring in Mike Tyson to a Bible study. Um, Mike Tyson, you may not know, I hope you probably know, but he was a boxer back in the day, one of the best boxers, and he just knocked people out all the time with like 15 seconds. And and I don't think he's a Christian. He kind of seems like he's a spiritual man, or kind of a kind of a crazy guy. But uh, that's not the point here. Is, that, is back when he was fighting. He was, like I said, he was a guy who just, he'd storm across the ring and he, he'd pummel a guy to death in 10 seconds. And it was just one hit and it was over. And so they asked him, you know, they say, well, this guy's got a, a, a strategy on how to fight you, Mike, and this is what his plan is. And what do you think about that? And I'll never forget what he said. He said, everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the mouth. And that's true. I mean, they would walk, they'd always have all the strategy and then they'd get hit by him and then that plan's out the window because they're, they're, they're off to, you know, they're either on the floor or they're rattled so bad they don't even know who they are and so that's kind of where I think about when you with a Christian life is okay you know if, if you're serving the Lord you've got to have the mindset that you know you're going to take punches you know you're going to you're going to take hits from the enemy demons are going to be assaulting you you're going to be in just struggles with general life and the struggles with unbelievers struggles with believers you're going to have struggles and so you, you have to anticipate and expect that and plan for that and so, but the real test of your heart towards God and towards your commitment to Him is when you get hit. Because you got a plan going in, you're like, "Hey, Lord, I'm all in for you." Well, when the when the rubber meets the road is when you take a hit, when something a trial comes up. And okay, we'll see how that commitment is. Because it's very easy to be a follower of Christ 
Okay, and I'm not even talking about false converts who follow him for the wrong reasons. I'm saying a true, true Christian can really serve devoutly, especially a, a young Christian. Is, you know, the more you get matured, the more you kind of have to experience this to, to really to uh, grasp this into your heart. But it's but if you can learn it quickly to know that hey, you, you cannot expect things to go well in this world as a Christian, but you can still have joy if your hope is on the Lord and on the future kingdom. And so if you, can, if you can stick your stick into the ground and say, okay, I'm serving him no matter what, because you know a punch is coming when you take the punch, and if you really are committed, you'll, you'll press right through it. It'll hurt. It hurts. Things hurt. But you'll be, you, know, you, you press through hardships, and you, and you patiently press through hardships. That's one of the biggest secrets I can tell a young Christian is that, is that the, the, the impulse of the unredeemed flesh, when, you, when, you, when a trial comes along, that first impulse is to, is, to, is to try and fix it yourself, is to try and control it, control the situation. And I'm not saying you don't try and control things, in a sense, where you, obviously God gives us some control, and you, know, you, and you have to deal with, and gives us all kinds of commands to do. But I'm saying when a trial comes along, the initial reaction sometimes is flee, run. Like if you're at a church and something goes wrong, oh, I need to change the churches. Or if you're in a, in a, in a have a relationship with another Christian, a friend, brother, like a romantic, and something goes wrong, well, you know, you want to turn, you know, turn away. But a lot of times, God puts you in situations that you're uncomfortable in purposely, and so your immediate reaction should not be to try and control the situation, try and fix the situation, but to turn to the Lord. That's your first reaction. And a lot of times, the key to the trial is just trusting and patiently enduring. And I'll, I'll, I don't know how long I've gone here, but I'll say I'll kind of wrap things up with this this um, thought here. This thought here is that, and what what that steadfast in mindness is that leads to peace for for a Christian is this. It really, and I hate to oversimplify, but you can, I think you can really narrow it down to some of this: is that you, do you trust the Lord or not? Because when you come to a trial, that's where whether you trust him in your heart or not will come out. If you don't trust him, you will panic. You will try and control it, and you will flee from any. You know, you'll just you'll you'll do you rebel in a lot of ways. But if you trust the Lord, then you can patiently endure it. Say, okay, well, you brought this into my life, and what this is why it's very very important to know that God. You know, to understand the, the sovereignty of God, that He controls everything. You know, any view of God that is not in complete control of everything, including evil, including trials, is a diminished view of God that will not serve you well. For a, for a Christian to know that not only does God know what you're going through if you're in a trial or when you go through a trial, and not only does He know that it, it was coming, okay, well, most Christians would agree with that, but what a lot of people struggle with is that He causes them. He causes your trials. Not in the sense directly. He doesn't. Ever, like if somebody sins against you and that becomes a trial, he doesn't approve of that sin, but he obviously could have stopped it and chose not to. And so in that sense, he caused that trial to happen, that he intended it for you. And so if you can if you can grasp that in your mind to say, okay, this is tough, this is hard, I don't even exactly know why or what I'm trying to, to learn in this, but, I, but you just say, okay, you, you have chosen to cause this to happen to me or to allow this to happen chosen and you could have chosen not to and so I trust you in that that you're doing a work and so you submit patiently you submit to God that's what it says in the Bible submit to God and resist the devil and so 
you just sometimes got to just hold your ground patiently and work through it patiently. But your heart attitude has to be trusting the Lord. And that will keep you from grumbling to the Lord. Because if you trust Him. Again, all of these things I'm saying, I'm saying while I'm sweating here, it's a little bit hot anyway, but um, it's just very difficult because tr nobody wants trials. Nobody, the Bible doesn't call us to enjoy trials. It says they can be, rejoice and things like that when you're in trials for Christ's sake. And so there's a sense in which you can have joy in the trial. But trials are not comfortable or they wouldn't be trials. Suffering is not comfortable or it wouldn't be suffering. And so there's no way you can sit there and go, yay, you know, I'm enjoying whatever it is, physical financial, whatever it is, pain that you're dealing with, in a sense of, oh, yay, I can't, I wish, I hope this stays forever. That's not how it works. But, you just, you trust the Lord, and He always does bring you through those things. There's been many times when I, or several times when I thought, this is hopeless. There's no coming out of this. And He always, He's faithful. He's faithful. And a lot of times, He, he does more work in those times, demonstrating to you that there's nothing He can't work in and for your good including things that you think have gone way beyond return. And it's a, and so, so I hope this helps. Again, this is a daily commitment. But it's the only way to peace of mind for a Christian. The only way. You can't, you can't be a, a double-hearted Christian. And, and I've been one. And I'm, I'm frequently one. Um, and, and, and be double-minded, serving God and other things ultimately, and you'll never find peace. You may think you'll find it for a little while, but he's going to start squeezing that other thing, and it's not going to be not, be, not going to be good. So single-hearted devotion to the Lord as a Christian, regardless of what comes, and, is, and a really a dedicated uh, demeanor on that. It can't be, like we talked about, it's got to be, whatever comes, I'm going to trust you. And you'll never do it perfectly, but if you can understand that, early in your Christian life or later in your Christian life it will genuinely help you because there's no peace if your peace with God if your peace in your heart towards God is conditioned upon your circumstances then first off that's idolatry second off you, those things those things are going to happen it, it promises them and so you'll never have peace because there's always going to be you can always you always have a trial now there's not always as big a trial but you're always going to have difficulty if your if your peace of mind is is predicated upon how things are going in this world as a Christian, you will not have peace of mind. But if you but if again if you're trusting the Lord genuinely, daily, grindingly doing the things that He wants you to do, patiently waiting for His timing on things, that's how you get that's how you get peace of mind and peace in the heart. Again, I pray that you'll you'll dedicate your your time to, to consider these things because. I said, I'm not claiming at all that that's easy, but it is by far the only option if you want peace. And it, it's like with anything else. When you're dieting or training for a sport or, or anything else, it's, it's harder at first, and the longer you become mature and experience these things, then it does get somewhat easier, but, but it never gets easy. Because it's just, it, their trials are just not easy. And life in this world is not easy, and, and especially and also for a Christian. Um, so I hope this helps, and until next time, may God bless you. Bye-bye.